0: Morning. It's from the letter to the Ephesian church, uh, chapter one, verses one to ten, and I have that on page one thousand two hundred and twenty-four of this pew bible. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All things in heaven and all and and on earth together under one head, even Christ.
1: Thanks, uh, Tim, for reading that passage of Scripture for us, friends. Let's uh, pray as we uh, look at God's Word this morning. Let's pray, Father. We thank you for your Word. Uh, We thank you for the privilege to to have it read and explained. For the freedom we enjoy in this land for uh, Bible teaching. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will do a work in this place. Uh, Lord, I just commit myself to you this morning. Pray that you would use me for your glory to help each other, for all of us, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, it's good to be back on this pulpit after nearly, what, 12 weeks or so. So, uh, someone asked me how long is the sermon this morning. I said, well, I've been away for... 12 weeks, so I'll multiply that by about 25 minutes or so, and catch up here for the whole day. How would that be? Well, uh, you might not want me back after that. Well, here we are, looking at a new book this morning, uh, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. If you and I were asked the question, what can I praise God for, how will we respond? What can I praise God for? In my life, personally, in my family life, spiritually, how would we respond? What kind of list uh, will you come up with if you were given a sheet of paper this morning and asked to write down uh, the things that you would want to praise God for? Would you have a small sheet? Would it be a long one? I don't know. What will you write on that sheet of paper? Well, friends, can we count our blessings We sang the hymn this morning, Count Your Many Blessings, because life has its many conflicts, its ups and downs, its challenges, but can we count our blessings? Well, that's the question for us this morning. Think about it as we focus our thoughts today on our text for this morning, which is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. We're going to just look at three verses this morning, but I'll refer also to the context of this passage. As I said, friends, this morning, commencing today, we begin a new series of messages on the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. And I trust that as we work our way through this letter, that you and I will be richly blessed and encouraged in our faith and practice in doctrine as well as in life. And my prayer for you as a congregation is essentially this, that we will be a spiritually healthy church in Christ. And I trust that you would join us in praying for this. We want to be a spiritually healthy church in Jesus Christ, right? Am I okay with that? (laughs) We want to be a church that is growing in our love for Christ. A church that displays the power of the gospel. A church that has a passion to see people come to know Our saviour Jesus. And while we were away overseas in Europe, we made it a point to try and visit as many churches as we possibly could on Sundays. Some churches, services were in Dutch and I had no clue what was going on. But my wife was there next to me, Rose, and she translated and so I got an idea what was happening. In other places, we went to churches where there were international churches and people from many languages and the services were in English, so it made sense to people like myself. And it was great to be part of God's church, God's family across the world. What a joy that is to know that God is doing a work around the world. And yes, we need to pray, certainly for Europe uh, and, and the drought, the spiritual drought that that uh, the Europe is facing. Let me come near to this passage. See Ephesus, let me give you some background here about Ephesus very quickly to put this passage and this book in its context. Okay? So Ephesus was the political and social hub of the region. It had the largest port and so became the chief communication center and the commercial link between Rome and the east. It came under the power of the Roman Empire in 133 B.C. And wealthy citizens donated lots of money to construct temples and other structures in order to have the favor of the emperors by dedicating temples and other monuments to the emperors. It's a $5 towards the minister's coffee account if your mobile phone goes off, all right? Uh, It's it's, it's okay. (laughs) The Romans Romans constructed many, many public buildings and gates at Ephesus. In in fact... uh, Uh, I know that some of you have been to Turkey and you have seen uh, the remnants of the city of Ephesus. When Augustus became emperor in 27 BC, he made Ephesus the capital of Asia Minor, which is most of modern Turkey today. And Ephesus at the time had few equals anywhere in the world. Stamped on the coins were titles such as, first of all the greatest. That's how they called themselves the first and greatest metropolis of Asia. And so, friends, with the city's beautiful location, together with fertile soil, with its excellent climate, it was a great place to live and to work. And no wonder Rome had a very keen interest in Ephesus. Further, it is said that Ephesus had the largest Greek open air theatre, It could accommodate 25,000 spectators. There was also a stadium for chariots, chariot races and fights with animals. But above all, Ephesus took great pride of its greatest temple and it was this. Ephesus was really famous for its great temple, a shrine to the goddess Diana or Artemis. The temple of Diana was one of the seven wonders of the world at the time. It was some 425 feet in length, 220 feet in breadth. It had 127 white marble columns, each 62 feet in height. Amazing structures. And the focus of the temple was on an image of the goddess by the name of Diana. Or, in your Bibles, if you look at Acts, it's referred to Artemis. And it is said that the goddess Diana, the, the, the image of the goddess Diana is said to have fallen from heaven to earth. How it happened, we don't know. It is said it happened that way. And so this temple was so popular that Ephesus became the religious center of all of Asia. And we read, that this temple, we read of this temple in Acts chapter 19 that there were in fact silver, silversmiths who made shrines of Diana. And sold them, and people bought them, and they wore them, and they worshipped these shrines. And it was a massive business. Think about it. Look at Acts chapter 19, and you will see what actually happened in Acts chapter 19. We see that there were silversmiths there. And then as Paul went in there, and the gospel started to take shape, these silversmiths had a problem. You know why? Their business was affected and people didn't buy these chains and these, these, all of these things that these guys made and they called the silversmiths together and said, Man, we are going to be out of business here. We better get cracking and start attacking the people who were called the people of the way, Christians. And so in Ephesus 19 and... In, sorry, in, in Acts chapter 19 and Acts chapter 20, we see that there was a riot that took place and, and people became all angry against Paul and the apostles and others and the disciples there and they wanted Christianity to uh, be sent out of this place. But friends, God had his hand on this church at Ephesus. You see, the church at Ephesus was in all possibility began by Priscilla and Aquila. It was later firmly established by Paul on his third missionary journey. Paul pastored this church for some three years, and then later it was pastored by Timothy. And then Paul wrote this letter. Where was Paul at this time? Where was he? He was in prison. Paul was in prison. Uh, We see this, for example, in in Ephesians 3.1. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Paul was in prison. In Acts chapter 28, we read this. He He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and so forth. So Paul wrote this letter while he was perhaps in house arrest or in prison if you want to call it that way from 60 to 62 A.D. And tradition tells us that Paul was executed in Rome by Emperor Nero, perhaps around 65, 67 A.D. So that's the context here. And this letter to the Ephesians was primarily addressed to the Ephesians, but it could have also been a circular letter. It is a Pauline letter, it is a general letter, It is a letter written by Paul from prison. Three aspects there. And so it is within this context and setting that we have this letter. That's a very quick overview. Alright? Now friends, why did Paul write this letter? Let me highlight a few things. One, he wrote it to encourage the Christians to know that they were richly blessed by God in Christ. He wanted them to know The riches of God's goodness to them. Secondly, he wrote it to remind them that God the Creator was their Father and that God had graciously included them in his family. He also wrote to remind them of the unsearchable riches of Christ. He wrote to remind them of the riches of God's glory. And finally, I think he wrote to remind them, clearly we can see it here, of the mystery of the church, the body of Christ. So, friends, this letter is incredibly Trinitarian. Why do I say that? Chapter 1, the Father calls. Predestination. We won't get into that today. The Father calls. 2, the Son redeems. Chapter 1, verse 7. And 3, the Holy Spirit redeems confirms and seals the salvation. Absolutely amazing. So, look at this, look at the book of Ephesians from that perspective. God's amazing grace, he calls a people unto himself. The Son redeems a people unto himself by his blood at the cross. And the Holy Spirit applies that work and confirms it and makes the believer a child of God. Did you see that? And the church becomes a chosen, redeemed, sealed community for God's glory. And that's what you and I are when we are part of His family. You see, this church that gathers here, we have met here this morning. We meet during the week. We do lots of things. Why? And how? It's because... God has made it possible. What a blessing that is. eh? And that's what I'd like us to see this morning. See, chapters 1 to 3 of this book is doctrinal. It's solid in its teaching. Chapters 4 to 6 are about practical living. Uh, John Stott, the well-known theologian, said this, The whole letter is thus a magnificent combination of Christian doctrine and Christian duty. Christian faith and Christian life, what God has done through Christ and what we must be and do in consequence. I mean, that's, that sums it up well, isn't it, as John Stott does things. Christian duty, Christian faith, Christian life, Christian doctrine. So Paul begins this passage. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, Ephesians 1 verse 1. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Friends, Paul identifies himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus. The word apostle means one who is sent. Someone who is sent by authority. And Paul here says, is sent by the will of God. See, I was looking at this introduction. Just that Verse. How many of us read a verse like that and say, Okay, that's just the introduction. That's just a greeting. We do that, don't we? What can I get from that greeting? Ah, just just a greeting. But if you look deeper here, there's more than that in this greeting. Paul is saying, I am here because of whose will? Whose will? (laughs) I'm here because of God's will. I have been put in this place because... God has had his hand upon my life. And if I was to apply that for you and for me, yes, now Paul was an apostle and so forth, but at the personal level, we need to see our lives as God having his hand and will upon your life. Is that correct? As a Christian, somehow, we need to see God's will and purposes being worked out in your life and in mine, right? Right? Why? Because we believe in the sovereignty of God. That's what Paul is saying here. See, God in his sovereign grace has had his will placed upon Paul's life. And if you look at Paul's life, we don't have time to do that this morning. Acts chapter 7, Paul was called, what was he called before his conversion? Come on, anyone? Saul. And what did Paul do? What did Saul do? He was out there to get at Christians? Did he love the Christians? Of course not. He was there when, when, when Stephen was being martyred. He was saying, come on guys, throw those stones. Let's kill this guy. Acts chapter 9. He's converted by the will of God. In the amazing way of God. And now Paul is commissioned by Christ because he was not part of the twelve. And he's commissioned as an apostle to the Gentiles to take this gospel to the Gentiles. And if you look at it that way, friends, you see Paul, the persecutor, becomes Paul, the preacher. And then Paul, the preacher, is the one who becomes the one executed by Nero for being an apostle of Christ. Why? Because of God's will in his life. And when you and I put our lives... Into the hands of the living God. God will take us to places that we have never expected we might go to. He will stretch stretch you as far as you can go. And he will do great things in your life according to his will and his purpose. My question to you and to me is. Are you willing to submit your life to the will of God? Are you? Are you willing to say, Lord, this is one life to live? Alright? I have, it's crazy, right? I've also been away on all this, of course. There are moments that I'm sitting back and looking through this, this time that we were away. What am I doing with my life? Where am I going? What is God's purpose for the rest of this guy's life here on earth? How many days, how many years, how many months I have? I don't know. When you're just over the 50 mark, you begin to see life from another perspective, right? (laughs) Why am I going? What's happening? What will I do for the remainder of this life here on earth? Friends, you may have asked that question. You see, my prayer is, Lord, let me live in the center of your will. Wherever that might be. St. Stephen's, wherever it may be. Live in the center of your will. That's what Paul is saying. I am here by the will of God, the one who has put me here, the apostle of Christ Jesus. And he says to the saints in Ephesus. You see, the saints, if you're a Christian here this morning, let me say this. The word saint essentially means to be set apart, to be consecrated. And Paul addresses his readers as saints. You see, this word saint has Jewish origins, which means to be set apart, as I said, or consecrated. And if you're a Christian here this morning, then are you a saint? You're not really sure? (laughs) Me a saint? Far from it. Man, you must look at my life. How on earth can I be a saint? Are you a saint? (laughs) Mm, No. You see, you are a saint. <laughs> you don't have to be canonized by the moderator of the PCA to be a, be a saint. <laughs> or some other person. You are a saint means you are set apart and you belong to this great God. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying to the Ephesians, guys, you are saints. Why? Because, you, we will expand on that next time. You've been called by God, chosen by him, elected in his love, redeemed by the Son, sealed by the Holy Spirit, you are set apart. You are a saint. You belong to God. Your life is not your own anymore. You are under new management. It's like when you go to a restaurant or someplace and you see under new management, you think, Man, I wanna go and see what these guys are serving up there. Are the dishes really nice? Is it tasty? Is it small? Is it big quantity? When I go to a place to eat, I want to have a lot, okay? Not just quality. Of course you want quality, but imagine going somewhere and getting a steak so small, and the guy says, it's about the quality. (laughs) No, you don't want that. So, under new management, you you have expectations here. And similarly, with the Christian life... When you're a saint, what Paul is saying is you are under new management. Your life has been changed, been transformed. You've been set apart to belong to Christ and rejoice in that. That's what Paul is saying here. You see, Ephesus, the place where the goddess Diana was worshipped. Ephesus was the city where the emperor was worshipped. Ephesus was the city of idol worship. Where silversmiths made images of the goddess and people worshipped this goddess. But in this city of Ephesus, God has raised up saints. Is there hope for the city of Melbourne? (laughs) Is there hope for us great cities here in Australia? What do you think? Yes. Why? Because God is at work. You see, never write off a city. Never write off a city or a place where God cannot reach out to people. Alright? We may write off a place. We might look at a suburb and say, man, that place, nothing good can come from there. No, no. God can do something good from any place. Is that correct? I think about my own life. No, I came from a tiny place outside of Colombo. Never knew about this Jesus. And yet I am standing before you today. How is that possible? Grace. You see, friends, this is what Paul is saying. This is the place that God has raised his saints. And so we should never write off a place. Never made saints not of their own doing. And so Paul speaks here. And look at this greeting when he says... To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Two things, grace and peace. You see, notice this word grace, uh, uh, notice that, these, uh, that, that grace and peace, where does it come from? Or who does it come from? What is our text saying here? Grace and peace to you from whom? From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul is reminding them, and we'll expand on this when we look at Ephesians chapter 2, he's reminding them of God's grace, his marvelous grace, his amazing grace, his powerful grace, his transforming grace in their lives. He says grace. You see, the Christian life can be summed up in one word. Grace. Do we deserve anything from God? Do you? Do I? I always think to myself. And I say this to myself. God has treated me better than I deserve. God has treated me better than I deserve. That is grace. You see, Paul is saying that. Grace, and then he says peace, isn't it? You know... In life, we can go through all its challenges. How about your peace? You know, do you have that peace today? This is God's peace. Romans chapter 5. You might ask me, ask, how do I have peace with God? Look at Paul writing to the Roman church. He says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this morning, do you have God's peace in your life? Have you made your peace with God if you're not a Christian here this morning? Do you know the God of peace? Maybe your life is not one of peace now. You're troubled, your trials are up your way and, and everything is crumbling. And Paul says here, yeah, grace and peace. You know, God's peace, that peace with the maker, our creator... And the peace that passes all human understanding is yours. What a blessing, eh? What a blessing to be a Christian. Do you see that this morning? You see, Paul was under house arrest. But he says, peace. Both grace and peace, they come from the Father. And then, as we move on in this text, friends, verse 3, Paul brings this out Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, where in the heavenly places. You see, Paul begins with praise. It's an exuberant statement of praise, it's a glorious statement of praise. He says, Praise be to God. It's a doxology. Of praise why is it he wants to praise God it says for all the spiritual blessings now friends what are the spiritual blessings that are in view here you see this word praise means worthy of being praised the word blessed is translated worthy of being praised or praiseworthy giving thanks and exalting that's the original we could you get that meaning as well it's a praise to God why For every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And what are these spiritual blessings? You see, let me uh, highlight some of them here. See, God in his goodness does bless his people materially by providing for them. But the focus here is on spiritual blessings. And what are these blessings? Well, friends, if you look at chapter 1, 3 to 14, we have these blessings for us. Right? You look at that. You keep your Bibles. You see, but the, we, we, we see these blessings such as predestination in Christ. God has chosen us before the what? Foundations of the world. We'll talk about that more next time. The blessing is redemption in Christ. That is that Jesus took your place and mine at the cross, and all our sins are. Forgiven, redemption. Thirdly, the blessing is an inheritance that is kept for us in heaven. Christ is and has given us an inheritance. And also, the other aspect is a spiritual blessing of eternal security sealed by the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying here, rejoice. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. What a joy it is to know this God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Do you count your blessings this morning? Do you thank God this morning for the spiritual blessings that he has given to you? Do you rejoice in those blessings? Yes, sometimes we might go through those challenges. Yes, we go through the ups and the downs, the valleys and the mountaintop experiences. But remember this. That the eternal banker has opened up the bank and blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in Christ. You see, I was thinking about this for a moment. You see, if you go to a bank... For a loan, you'll have to sign documents and everything else. And the bank manager or someone else will say, we can only loan up to you so much according to your income. Or we can can give you this amount of dollars. And that's it. It stops there. It's a loan. But not so with God. He's a spiritual banker who says, I've opened up the bank. It is yours. And I give to you freely every blessing. You don't have to sign any documents. It is coming free, always being sent for you. What a God. I rejoice in Him always because of these facts. A glorious praise that God has called. He has chosen. He has given us life. And the Apostle Paul says here, Yes, blessed us in the heavenly realms. What does that mean, friends, in the heavenly realms? It's a good question, isn't it? Actually, so let me quickly say this. Theologians call this sometimes um, the already and the not yet. That is, I'll, I'll illustrate it this way. Um, in, 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 Paul, writing to the Philippian church, says this Our citizenship, where is it? Where is the citizenship? It's in heaven and from it we await a savior the lord jesus christ you see what what we see here let me explain it this way theologians call it the already and the not yet there is this that we are already citizens in heaven and as citizens of heaven we are blessed with that citizenship that is given to us in christ so we are in that sense already partaking in our citizenship in heaven, right? It's like one leg is there, the other leg is here on earth. The already and the not yet. And as we are citizens of heaven, we have all the blessings and security that comes of being a citizen of heaven. Just like when you're a citizen of Australia, you go somewhere to some country, you show your passport and you have rights, Okay? On the basis of that passport, because you're a citizen of this nation. For us as Christians, we are citizens of heaven already. But a day will come when all the blessings of that heavenly citizenship will come to its fulfillment. But now Paul says this, that all of these blessings comes from this heavenly realm. What does Paul mean by that? See, Doctor Asis Praval puts it this way: We usually understand Christians' enjoyment of the presence of Christ as referring to the Spirit bringing Christ to His people by bridging the gap between heaven and earth. But in this passage, there is a suggestion that it refers not to the Spirit present with us, but us present to the risen Christ mystically. We move from earth to heaven because we have fellowship with Christ in the heavenly realms. See This is so deep here. You see, mystically, we move from earth to to heaven. There is this heaven to earth connection. The heaven where God is reigning in all his majesty and splendor, there is this connection. Each time you and I are praying to our God, what do we do? We come to the throne gates of heaven. When we are living our lives here on earth, heaven is involved in our lives somehow. God is involved. The triune God holds you in his hands and is involved. And he says, yes, you are mine. So friends, what an amazing blessing. The earth, the heaven to earth connection. And this is for those who are in Christ. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones makes the observation. You cannot be a Christian without being in Christ. Christ is the beginning as well as the end. He is the Alpha as well as Omega. There are no blessings for Christians apart from Him. See, when we come to Jesus, friends, and when we put our faith and our trust in this God then we have all the blessings from him. We don't receive them in stages. Oh, no. When you become a Christian, we immediately receive and have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places then and there. We immediately stand holy and blameless before God the Father, the ultimate judge. We instantly have forgiveness for our sins. We instantly have full redemption by the blood of Jesus. So, if you believe and know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then these blessings are yours. Well, as we close, friends, let me come to the question what can I praise God for? What can you praise God for this morning? This week, is there something that you can thank God for in your life? What about you this morning? Friends, let us count our blessings and indeed it will surprise us of what the Lord has done. What can I praise God for? A question for us to ponder. Let us give thanks to this God for all the spiritual blessings that he has showered upon us so generously and lavished it upon us. From the heavenly realms. What a joy. Rejoice and celebrate. Let no one put you down friends. Because your identity. And mine. Is tied up with this savior. Do you rejoice in that this morning? I hope you do. Let's pray. Our heavenly father. We want to give you thanks. For all the spiritual blessings. Blessings. That you have blessed us with in the heavenly realms, Lord, in Christ Jesus. Somehow, mystically, Lord, we have this connection the presence of Christ, the earth to heaven connection. And we thank you for calling us, for choosing us, for electing us, for redeeming us for giving us, for giving us an inheritance kept in heaven, for sealing us with the Holy Spirit. I pray this morning that you would help us, Lord, to rejoice in this Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen.